Well, hello, good day, and welcome to Mission 1711. Um, this segment is about answering questions from the Bible, really becoming Bereans, seeking the whole counsel of God. And we've decided to open this up because we've been getting a number of questions from people privately. And so we're making some of the answers um, available publicly for our groups and for our uh, website. So uh, this podcast is really just to address some questions about baptism that have come up. We've had a couple of people that have answered or have, I'm sorry, have asked some questions about baptism. And uh, what we want to do is uh, just answer these questions from the Bible. Our, our philosophy and our goal here at Mission 1711 is that every answer to every question we have is in the Bible and it's clarified for us to understand what does God want for us today. We, we believe that everything we need to know about life and godliness and success in, in the things of this world, but more importantly, success with God, uh, is answered for us in the Bible. We don't need to look to other places, other men, other writings. We just need to look to the Bible. So these questions today that we're going to answer um, have followed kind of a similar line of thinking from a couple of different people. So our first question is, uh, what does the Bible teach about baptism, and what are the merits for infant baptism versus, let's say, dedication or not baptizing or, or dedicating children at all? Uh, that comes from Jacob in Wisconsin. And then we have a question from George in California saying, should we baptize babies? So it's sort of along the same lines. So what we want to do is, is we want to look to the Bible and take those questions and see how the Bible addresses these issues. So that is our, our main objective at this moment, uh, is to do that faithfully as much as we can, um, by just looking simply to what Jesus and the apostles taught. So we've got a three-part answer to these questions, and what we're going to do is just uh, start off with the basics. So part one is, what is the point of baptism, and who should be baptized? And these questions often arise about baptism for believers uh, specifically, but in general about you know children and, and all people. Should we just go around baptizing everybody? Um, I used to know of a church that made a habit of having children come to game nights and different events at their church, and they would really work hard to baptize these kids, uh, often without their parents knowing about it. We don't believe that that is of any value. In fact, we believe that's very counterproductive and, and really cheapens um, what baptism is. So all kinds of questions keep arising about what, when, who, and how of baptism. And um, we could list all these things out, you know, all the different ideas and everything, but let's not do that. What we're going to do is we're going to do what's important, which is to go to the source. Let's let the Bible speak to us, because that is where God has given his final word on the matter. So we at Mission 1711 submit to the pattern of seeking the, the word of God from the Bible and finding his instructions there. And his instruction for baptism is not complicated. It's that of believers who are able to make a choice to turn to Jesus, believe his resurrection, and choose to follow him. So the pattern always goes this way. People repent and turn to Christ. They believe. They are then baptized, and then they follow him. So this is the reason for being baptized, is to announce that you've chosen to follow Jesus. And we see this over and over again whenever baptism is demonstrated in the New Testament. This is the pattern. It's, it's to turn to Christ, to believe, to be baptized, and follow him. 
Now, Jesus gives us very plain instructions about this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay, so since all authority has been given to him, he's now going to instruct us on what that authority's purpose is. So he says to us, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, this is a bit of a circular statement because he's telling his disciples to go do this and then to teach others to do likewise, right? So this mandate continues, as he points out, uh, to observe all things I have commanded you. His next statement is that this is until the end of the age. So until Jesus returns, this is our purpose. This is what Christianity is about. And this is where his authority has been given, right? So he shows us the, the pattern there. It's to go out, to make disciples, uh, you know, introducing people to the gospel, to the teachings of Jesus, and, you know, to, to give them the, the urgency of the matter, that they would be saved, for them to believe in Jesus. And then when they commit to that, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Now, one of the things that I cover in my book is this idea of in the name of. A lot of people get hung up on with baptism. You know, do we baptize in the name of Jesus, or do we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Listen, Jesus is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And therefore, there's really not a contradiction between these two, because this is about authority, okay? What Jesus is saying is, with this authority that you've been given, go out and, and bring people into the kingdom, right? So it's not about a formula. The, the name isn't so important as the authority behind the name. We see this over and over again in Scripture because uh, God uses multiple names in Scripture. You know, he goes by the I am. I am that I am is who he told Moses he is. But then he also goes by the Lord. The, in the Hebrew, the word is Adonai. Then he also has other names that he uses that have the same authority. And we want to understand the, the, the point that's being made is about the authority of the name, not whether we specify Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or just the name of Jesus. These, these are not, that's a superficial way to look at what he's really talking about. And that is that Jesus himself has been given this authority in heaven and earth. Okay. So we, we don't get hung, hung up on those. And I, I don't really care if a person baptizes in the name of Jesus or they specify the, the whole Trinity doesn't make any difference to me as long as they're baptizing believers. So let's let's see what we're being given here. We're being instructed plainly, make disciples, baptize them, teach them everything Jesus commanded so that they will then go out likewise and continue to do so until the end of the age. So first they have to be disciples. That means they have to have chosen to accept and believe that Jesus is the Christ who died for our sins who was crucified, who rose on the third day and ascended to the Father. That's where the authority is in, is knowing him, right? And then we teach them to grow as disciples through the whole of his teachings. That's the four gospels. That's the book of Acts. That's all that was given to the apostles to, to teach us, all the letters of the New Testament and the book of Revelation. Those are all the things from, from Jesus that he's given us. A lot of people forget there are very specific instructions 
uh, to the church and to disciples in the book of Revelation. So they kind of say, well, we don't need that. And, and actually, no, you're wrong. You, you do need to learn the book of Revelation. It's an important part of the church. But then we teach them to grow as disciples through the whole of these teachings that have been given to us by his chosen apostles. And that includes them learning to go forth into the world and also make disciples. So that's the basics. That's part one. That's the simplest, obvious explanation of what do we do with baptism? Now, part two of baptism basics comes into, well, why do we believe only in a believer's baptism? And this, this gets into where a lot of church traditions, uh, a lot of cults start getting into questions, doubting, you know, is it this way? Is it that right? That way? Is it, you know, uh, this formula or that formula? And um, what we want to read is what, again, Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 16, uh, I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, it tells us uh, God's perspective on this. It says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So this kind of gives us an order to understand what is the authority and the power of baptism. And it's not that baptism itself has any power. Because of the way he's he's written this for us, it says he who believes and is baptized will be saved right? So obviously baptism is a key part of it, um, but it's not saying that the baptism saves you, because he then reverses it and says, he who does not believe will be condemned. Well, why would you want to be baptized if you don't believe? A lot of people are suggesting that baptism has some, um, some value, some efficacy uh, in itself, and that's not what's being said here at all. What's being said is, is that you believe. Now, the most natural thing to do if you have chosen to believe, is to then become baptized, right? So clearly this shows us baptism doesn't save. It's the evidence of a person who has been saved, who's choosing to announce that they will follow Jesus. First they believe, then they get baptized as a testimony of believing, right? It's the belief that saves, not the baptism. The baptism is a testimony of it. I've seen many people pray to receive, but then fail to obey God in making that testimony of baptism. And what happens to them? Well, eventually they tend to disappear from the fellowship. They, they shrink back. Uh, they, they don't stick with it. it. There's something about making that testimony of saying, I've chosen to follow Jesus. You know, we used to sing the old song, uh, I, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And uh, I believe that that's an important part of the, the Christian life is to make a statement that you have chosen, you have separated yourself from the world and you've chosen to believe and follow Jesus. If you don't have the courage to do that, I, I question whether or not you really have believed. Um, and this seems to be the, the example we see with people who they failed to make that testimony. And it's because they weren't really saved, in my opinion. This is just my opinion, but. Uh, we believe here at Mission 1711 that, that the evidence is shown to us in Scripture that those who really don't have the courage to say they've believed don't stick with it, which demonstrates they really didn't believe. They they seem to think that, you know, receiving Christ was just a magic formula, you know, pray this prayer or whatever, um, but they didn't really take it to heart. So the person who makes a public testimony of baptism is saying, I believe this with all my heart. I have been changed by this belief, and I am going to make this a decision to change the way I'm living and follow Jesus, right? So one of the best examples of this is in Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 12. 
Now, it's where a group of Samaritans heard the gospel from Philip, the apostle, and it says they believed Philip, both men and women, were baptized. So this, again, this is the testimony. This is the uh, the evidence. They believed, then they were baptized, men and women. Now, why does it specify? I, I'm a believer that when the Bible specifies something, it has a reason. Uh, it doesn't say children. Now, we could go into a lot of discussions about, you know, what what is the state of grace for children before God? And I, I believe that's not important because the evidence is showing us that the people who are baptized are those who believe, right? And and that's what God is calling us to do because, again, it's a testimony. It's It's not something that inherently saves us by itself. So they don't mention infants uh, in any of these cases where we see believers being baptized. So because many groups believe that baptizing infants has some merit before God, we have to answer this to really challenge that, because I don't see any evidence anywhere in Scripture where um, there is a challenge to baptize infants or an instruction or an evidence of baptizing infants. Uh, infants. It's, not, it's not listed anywhere in the New Testament. God never asks us to do this. Uh, he never instructs anyone to baptize a person who has not first believed the gospel. Uh, every time baptism is mentioned, it's when a person has come to faith, believes Jesus, and now they're saying, let's take this act. Let's, let's make this testimony. Now, people rely on this as though it's a religious um, right that has some merit in itself. And again, I, I really believe we, we here at Mission 1711 are in agreement on this. We don't believe that there is any merit to baptism itself. What there is merit to is the act of choosing to believe and follow the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the baptism is the evidence of that. It's the first fruit of evidence of the new faith that the person is making. Um, so God makes no instruction about doing that for infants or children. Uh, if God has not instructed it, why would anybody do that? Here's another example. This is also from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 18, verse 8. It says that Crispus believed on the Lord, and many of the Corinthians, having heard and believed, were baptized. So we have one fellow here named Crispus. He, he comes to faith. He believes in the Lord. Other people around him in his community are hearing, and they also believe, and so they are baptized. So the pattern is clear once again. Hear the gospel, believe the gospel, turn to Jesus, become baptized, as a testimony of your decision to follow the Savior by living out the gospel. So the third part of, of the baptism basics is, um, does everyone mean everyone? So a big part of understanding the Bible is learning to understand context. It is not the only thing that matters, but it is significantly important to understand what is said and to whom, and then to derive from that why. And then from that, we understand why it matters to us or how it matters to us. Now, in Acts chapter 2, Peter has his first sermon as, as a, a spirit-filled believer, and he says, repent, let every one of you be baptized. Now, this verse is used by a lot of people to suggest that the children should be baptized. So that really begs us to ask a question, who was present? Who was present there on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when Peter said, every one of you should be baptized? 
Verse 14 actually answers that question. It tells us who Peter was preaching to. He says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. So why would Peter say that? Well, actually, he said that because that's who was there, men and inhabitants, residents of Jerusalem. So again, in verse 29, he says, men and brethren, let me speak freely. Again, he's pointing out that the, the crowd of people that were there on the day of Pentecost were primarily men. In fact, this event happened at the Festival of Pentecost, which we should know a little bit about that. What, what was Pentecost? It's an interesting festival. It's different from the other feast days of the Old Testament. Um, it's one in which only men were compelled to come to Jerusalem. It was a short feast, a single-day event, in which men were required to come to Jerusalem for that one festival day, not families doesn't compel the wives, it doesn't compel the children, just the men. So the text is actually showing us, in fact, that Peter was talking to the men of Judea and proving to them that they needed to believe, and if they believed, to be baptized. So what's the point of why do we bring that up? Well, it already has told us in other places that men and women were baptized. So we understand women are included, but really primarily the point here that's showing us is that there were not children present. So when it says, let all of you be baptized, it didn't mean that there were children there to, to compel to be baptized. I hope you're following with me on that. So let's say, are we sure? Do we know that this is true? Let's look for apostolic confirmation because the apostles, you know, the, the 12 men who went out in the world to, to do as Jesus instructed and take this faith to the world, uh, they were the apostles that he chose. And uh, we want to look to them for confirmation of our beliefs. That's that's where we get our understanding. We don't look to men who came later. We don't look to men who, uh, you know, were not people that saw the risen Lord. We look to these 12 apostles. They were the ones who were authorized and given this message, right? So in Acts chapter 8, verse 34, we should note that Philip makes... Uh, this comment to the um, to this new convert, he has an Ethiopian Ethiopian who hears the message, and he asks the Ethiopian asks, "What hinders me from being baptized?" Which is an interesting thing. It's the only time I know of um, in Scripture where the the new convert actually is saying, "Please baptize me." He says, "What hinders me from being baptized?" And Philip said, "If you believe with all your heart, you may." So Philip is making a point here. Baptism is for those who really believe. If you really believe, then take this step of baptism. So he answers and he says, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch go down to the water and he baptized him. Now that's pretty simple. That's pretty straightforward, I think, showing from Philip that this is about believers being baptized. There is no evidence of someone who has not come to faith yet being baptized. There is no evidence of an innocent child that doesn't know anything yet being baptized. Okay, this is for believers. If you believe with all your heart, you may. So the pattern repeats over and over. It's, it's repent, believe, be baptized, and follow him. This is really the, 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 the simplest way to look at it. So we baptize those who believe. Now, anyone who believes they should be baptized should have to come to the point where they acknowledge the faith of Christ, that he has died for our sins, that he was in the grave for three days, and that he has risen from the dead to eternal life. 
when when a person has become convicted of those truths, then we would call them believers who want to follow him uh, and become his disciples, and so they should be baptized. So we submit this is the only biblical pattern for baptism. It's the only point of baptism to make a public declaration of your decision to follow Jesus because you've believed the gospel. All other ideas and teachings will muddle the point, and they'll cause people to have completely wrong ideas about baptism. This is why we go to Scripture, to get our crazy ideas sorted out and see what God has to say about it. Because baptism alone does not save anyone. If you were baptized without being a believer, you know, please don't have some sense of hope that that is saving you from anything. What saves you is faith in Christ, trusting him, believing that his death, burial, and resurrection was done to absolve you of your sins, and that by trusting and walking with him as a follower, you have eternal life. This is what Jesus promised, not that baptism somehow grants you that as, as some kind of merit. So we see two vital things here, just to, to wrap this up. In order to ensure proper application of this ritual of baptism, we want to ensure that people hear the gospel and learn the truth of it. This is very important, that, that we're not giving people false hope. It's the gospel and accepting that personally that changes your life. We also want to ensure that people accept a life-changing commitment that comes from that believing, right? They're making a, a life-changing commitment. Now, we believe at Mission 1711 that Scripture shows us that the Holy Spirit is what brings that change in our lives, that the Holy Spirit comes to those who put faith in Jesus, and because of that, it, it changes you. But the beginning of that is to make that commitment. I have decided to follow Jesus. The first step is I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to accept the authority of baptism that he has given us, and I am making a testimony that I'm giving up on the old life to follow him anew. Okay. Now, if both of those conditions are met, then we believe that that new believer should be baptized as their first act of obedience and faith before Christ. All other ideas about baptism create false beliefs, and this is what we really want to contend against, is false ideas of baptism being some kind of meritorious magic formula that saves you. It doesn't. This is simply a testimony that you have committed your life to Christ, and you are now being saved by that faith in Christ. So you've chosen to give testimony of that through baptism. Now, what is baptism in and itself? The Bible shows us that baptism in itself is simply saying that I have died to the old life. I am being laid back in death like I'm being buried, buried under the water symbolically, but I am accepting death to the old life. And I am being raised in new life, because I trust and believe in Jesus. That's all it means. I have died to the old life, and I'm being raised to new life by Jesus. So our hope is that you will seek God in his word, come to trust in Jesus, test and see that the Lord is good, and follow him. And then once you have chosen to 
put your faith, your, your dependent trust into Jesus, then be baptized as an evidence of that. In fact, invite friends, invite other people who do not yet believe. Make it a public deal. Uh, you know, there are some groups that, that only baptize people in, in quiet little ceremonies in a closet in a church, and that's okay if that's how you want to do it. But really, I think the question is, are you making a public statement? Are you standing up before people, your friends, your family, and the, the believers of the church that you are, are joining and saying, I want to make a testimony that I have come to faith in Jesus, and I am dying to the old life, that I may have new life. If that's your testimony, then, then listen, go all out, make a big party out of it. You know, invite people uh, and, and challenge them to, to seek Jesus, to, to learn of him and to follow him. Uh, you might be surprised how many of your friends have been waiting for someone to help them find the way. Uh, maybe they, they have thought about faith in Jesus, but they didn't personally have the courage until you stood up and said, I will follow Jesus. I'm, I'm not turning back. So we believe baptism is a powerful thing, but it's powerful because it's a testimony. It's not powerful because the waters have some magic uh, ability. The waters don't matter. That's why, you know, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. It's a dirty river. It's not even fresh water. It's, I mean, it's fresh water in that it's not saline, but it's not, you know, it's not pure springs or anything like that. It's, it's a dirty river where he was baptized. Uh, and so whether you get baptized in a dirty river or the salt sea or, you know, wherever, uh, you are, you are not somehow having anything magical happen to you because of the waters. It's your decision to make the testimony of dying to the old life and being raised to the new life. That's where the power is. Thank you for joining Mission 1711 and our podcast as we seek the whole counsel of God, answers from the Bible that we might become like the Bereans, checking out to see if these things are so.